going to stop saying that. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Somebody's going to stay in and say, Jaquan worked really hard on that to put that together. <laughs> um, so welcome to Epiphany Church again. Um, my name is Pastor Derek Parks, and um, I have the, um, and I say this every week, but like I really mean it. <laughs> like I have the distinct privilege to uh, serve here as the lead pastor. Um, and so th- this, I consider it an, an act of service. I consider it um, something that I get to do. The Lord uh, has allowed me to do this. And so I'm really grateful to the Lord that I get to serve um, him and his people in this capacity. Um, and so we're really grateful that you are here with us today. Um, and so, again, if this is your first time here with us, uh, we want to welcome you again. Epiphany, let's give our first timers uh, a warm welcome. Okay. Um, and when you came in, you should have received um, one of our connection cards. And on that connection card, you can fill that out uh, with your information. That's just our way to uh, keep you updated about things that are happening here and to connect with you. Uh, so make sure you fill that out. And after you get done filling that out, after we dismiss, uh, you can head right out and um, hand that to one of our uh, Connections team members, okay? Um, if someone would be really kind to me and, like, grab me something already. Oh, thank you. Thank Praise the Lord, because I'm doing bad in this in this thing. But I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't throw off the look. I can't do it. <laughs> I got to, got to. I got to see it through, my boy. Like I got to, <laughs> I got to see it all the way through. So I'm, I'm here. Um, so we are in this series called Devoted, um, and we've been in this series for a minute, um, and we are not finished. <laughs> so uh, we are, we are though going to complete chapter two today. Yeah, give it up for that. We're going to finish chapter two today. Um, and so that's really exciting uh, for me. We're going to take a little break and do a Christmas, um, a Christmas series, and, uh, and then we'll jump back into this in 2022, okay? Um, so today I'll be in James chapter 2, uh, verses 24 through 26. Uh, 22, uh, I'm sorry, James chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Uh, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, uh, we'll have it up here on um, these screens here for you. And I want to tag this text today, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? You can sing it like, do you see what I see? We're doing that, okay? What is that? that? Somebody says not the weekend. All right, verse 24. Hear these words of our father through our brother James. He says, you see... Somebody say, see, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? Verse 26 says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Father, we pray by your spirit, God, that you would be with us today. God, help us as we um, navigate through this passage of scripture, God, and um, jump into seeing 
what it is that you have to say to us today. And so, Father, I pray, God, by your spirit, God, that you would uh, touch hearts today. God, I pray by your spirit, God, that you would touch minds today. God, help us to be uh, renewed uh, in our minds today uh, through the word. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, and speak through my mouth, and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, and who I place all of my trust. And everyone said, Amen. So, directly following Thanksgiving, you immediately begin to hear Christmas melodies on the radio. We were driving back from Virginia. We had went down to Virginia for uh, the holiday with family, and as we were on the road back, um, the radio was on, and there were Christmas carols being played. The turkey hadn't even been picked up in the trash yet, and you're already hearing jingle bells. The cranberry sauce was just still just jiggling on the table, <laughs> and we're already singing, do you see what I see? Now, I'm okay with that. The problem I have is with those of you who have your Christmas trees up on November the 1st. That's where I have a problem. You're stuffing the stockings, and you didn't even eat any stuffing yet. Thank you, buddy. Or dressing, whatever it is that y'all call it. Uh, y'all call it stuffing or dressing here? I don't Stuffing. See, this is the norm. I'll be trying to tell. See, so y'all, people who be down south and stuff, y'all call it dressing. It's stuffing. <laughs> so the stuffing, you're already stuffing the stockings. You ain't eating no stuffing yet. <sighs> what is that? <laughs> okay. I can go with that. I, I, I can concede to that. Stuffing comes out of the box. Dressing you make. I go with that. Y'all can continue this conversation whenever, <laughs> whenever y'all get ready. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reason for that, the reason why y'all got your Christmas trees up on November first, the reason why y'all be stocking stuffings and all that stuff like that, is because you got your priorities mixed up. That's your problem. <laughs> you don't realize that you must give thanks before you give gifts. Come on, you know. Listen, you don't realize that. And the truth in our passage today points us to this reality is that it's true in the same way that it's true for us is that some of us have our priorities mixed up. We got faith with no works or we got works with no faith. And James is teaching us today. He's saying, listen, you got to get your priorities straight. You got to get it together so that you can see what I see. So James starts this out in verse 24. He says, listen, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. See, James is calling us in this passage to be acquainted with the reality of our justification. He's calling us to to be acquainted with uh, and to experience where our justification is is actually centered. See, you know that your faith is true. Here's what James is teaching us. He's been teaching us this, and I've been telling you this the past couple of weeks. James is teaching us is that you know that your faith is true when it works. 
You know that your faith is true. You know that your faith is authentic when your faith works. But more than that, here's what James is showing us. This word here for see, it actually indicates this. It, it indicates that you become acquaint, acquainted with something by experience. You understand that your faith and your work, that your faith is true when you start to work, and you know that simply because of your experience. James is saying, if we're honest, you can clearly identify the times in your life when you weren't working because your faith was wavering. He says to us that you can clearly identify, if you're honest, you can clearly identify the times when you were not working, when you were not pursuing the things of God, simply because your faith was wavering. You started doubting, so you stopped serving. You stopped believing, so you started brokering. See, you start brokering with God... (laughs) When your faith is wavering, you start saying, listen, God, uh, my time is, 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 I I got these time commitments, Jesus, that, that, that I got to work on. You start brokering your time with Jesus. You start brokering your talent with Jesus. You start saying, Jesus, well, you know, it's certain things that I got to do. My job is this and all this kind of stuff. We start, we start brokering all these things. You start brokering your treasure with Jesus. And when we're honest, you can clearly identify the times in your life when you stopped working, when you stopped giving Jesus your all simply because your faith was wavering. Now, James cleared that up for us last week when he talked about Abraham and Abraham's faith, who was given a son, and then he was told to go and take that son up to the mountain and sacrifice that son. But yet, even though he he had realized the promise that he had prayed for for over 25 years, and God gave him a son, and then some 30 years later, God calls him to sacrifice the very thing that he had prayed for all those years ago, and it had come into fulfillment. And what do you do when God calls you to abort the things that you have birthed? And so what we see is, is that, that James is teaching us in this passage, he's telling us, he's saying, listen, oftentimes what we do is we broker with God when our faith is wavering. But here's the problem. <laughs> you, when you can't negotiate with God and be on steady ground. See, the reality is, is that when you negotiate with God, it's often because you're on shaky ground with him. And here's what happens when you negotiate. When you negotiate with God, you negate his goodness. When you negotiate with God, you negate his graciousness. See, when we start doing all these negotiations and we start brokering with Jesus and we start trying to tabulate all the stuff that we've got and the things that we've done and, and Jesus, I, I just need this and all this kind of, when we start doing all that stuff, we're on shaky ground because we're not recognizing his goodness in our lives. And here's the reality. He has shown us the ultimate goodness in our lives through his son, Jesus. We used to sing a song in the church that says, and if he never does anything else, he's already done what he said he would do. See, we, we broker with Jesus when we don't get the stuff that we want. See, see we, we start negotiating with Jesus when things don't go our way. 
we, we start negotiating with Jesus when we aren't in the position that we think we ought to be in in life. So we start negotiating with him, thereby negating his goodness and his graciousness in our lives. We are so often guilty of forgetting his faithfulness in our lives. We start negotiating. But here's the reality of what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us, because this word for see, it, it, it also means to discern clearly. And so Jesus is calling us, James is calling us to discern clearly our faith. Second Corinthians 13 and 5 says this. He says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves or do yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test. See, what happens in our life, family, is that when it comes to faith and works, we put works to the side because we forget that Jesus is on the inside of us. See, what happens is, is that we put him to, we, we put works to the side. We put doing good deeds to the side. We put all working for Jesus. We, do all, we put all that stuff to the side because we forget that Jesus is actually on the inside of us. And Jesus, his purpose, his whole purpose in, in this world, his whole purpose in our lives, he told us, he says, I've not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so if Jesus is in you, if you are a Christian, that just means that you are like Christ. If you are a Christian, then guess what? Your life ought to be marked by you committing your life to service and by you committing your life to giving up your life for the sake of others. But this idea of discerning here, I want us to get this really clearly. The word discern means to distinguish with difficulty. To distinguish with difficulty. So James is teaching us this. He's he's telling us that sometimes in our lives, we're going to have to work even when we don't feel it. Sometimes in our lives, we're going to have to do stuff for Jesus. We're going to have to serve our brother and sister. We're going to have to use our gifts and talents for for the edification of our brothers and our sisters, even when we don't feel it. And see, the reality is this, is that he's calling us to discern these things. He's calling us to distinguish with difficulty. And here's what that means, is that even in the midst of your difficulty, you've got to be able to distinguish between God and your feelings. Even in the midst of difficulty, you have to be able to distinguish between faith and feelings. See, because the reality is this, is that here's what we're called to do. Romans 12 and 2 tells us this. He tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So what James is showing us in this passage, family, he's showing us this. He's saying, listen, you've got to learn how to not have your mind be conformed to this world. Because here's what the world would tell you. The world would tell you to go get yours. The world would tell you to pursue your own thing. The world would tell you that your life is the only life that matters. And, and the world would tell you that you've got to get yours for you and yours. But that's that's antithetical to what the Bible teaches us. Philippians 2 tells us that we ought to seek the interests of others over the interests ourselves. And then he tells us that that is the very mind of Christ. So if you're going to renew your mind, you're not renew, you're not renewing your mind to a new to to a new mind of your own. 
See, that's the problem with, 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 with this age. This age tells you that you just got to fix your thinking. You just got to change the way you think. And I get what they're saying when they say that, but the reality is, is that your mind will never get good enough for you to pursue the things of God in the way that he wants you to pursue them. You've got to get a new mind. In other words, you've got to lose your mind for Jesus. And, and listen, I, I'm saying that, and, and, and it sounds funny, but sometimes when you're living for Jesus, people will think you have lost your mind. Sometimes when you're living your life according to the standard of Jesus, sometimes when you're giving all of your time to the things of Jesus, people will look at you like you've lost your mind. They go, what's wrong with Bull? Like he's tripping. <laughs> Stop with him. But you've got to be conformed, not to this world, but have your mind renewed, and you've got to get the mind of Christ. Here's the reason. <laughs> James says to us this. He says, listen. You have to see this. You've got to discern this clearly. A person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This word for justified here, this idea, it talks about declaring or pronouncing someone righteous. It talks about rendering someone innocent. A quick story that I, that I love, and I probably use this a lot of times in sermons, when I've talked about justification, so if you heard it before, just pretend like you didn't. <laughs> but there's a story of a man in England. He put his Rolls Royce on a boat, and he went across the continent to go on vacation. And while he was driving around Europe, something happened to the motor in his car. So he called the Rolls Royce people back in England. And he asked them, he told them, he says, listen, I'm having trouble with my car. What do you suggest that I do? And so the Rolls Royce people, here's what they did. They flew a mechanic over to where he was in Europe. And the mechanic repaired his car and then flew back to England. Now, as you can imagine, this man is wondering, how much is that going to cost me? <laughs> He's probably telling he's probably wondering like, man, like I'm on this vacation. I'm going to have to empty my savings to pay for this. They sent a mechanic over here personally to fix my car and then flew him back. And then all this stuff like he's probably wondering, how much is this going to cost me? So when he got back to England, he wrote to the people at Rolls Royce and asked them, how much do I owe you? Then the man received a letter from the Rolls Royce office which says, dear sir, we have no record anywhere in any of our files that anything has ever gone wrong with a Rolls Royce. <laughs> they like, bro, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what justification is. See, that's what justification is. There's no record anywhere that could ever be found that there was any sin ever in your life because of what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross. See, because of what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross, your account has been wiped clean. There's no record of anything ever happening. There's no record of any sin in your life. In fact, he tells us that he cast it as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. That's what justification is. 
Now, feel the power of that, right? And here James saying to us that you got to see, you got to discern clearly that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. See, it's, it's, it's a miraculous work for our sins to be forgiven in the manner in which they are forgiven. It's more of a miraculous work for us not just to have our sins forgiven, not just to have our sins wiped away, but then for us to be declared righteous in the midst of it. See, it's a miraculous work that happens. And then James comes in and tells us, he's saying, listen, that miraculous work happens through our works. Now, that sounds confusing. And a lot of people struggle with this passage here that James is talking about because they've heard Paul say a bunch of times that we're justified by faith alone. And so a lot of people get confused about this passage. They get tricked up by this. But there's no need for any confusion because James and Paul are not at odds with each other in their discussion about this. The reality that James is pointing us to is this, is that James is saying that the proof that your account has been wiped clean is your works. He's saying the proof that there are no charges to your record is your works. For example, every Sunday I come up here after the worship team sings their last song and I exhort you guys to worship God and praise God because here's what I understand is that if you really recognize and know that you have been transformed and renewed, if you really understand that God has done a work in your life, if you really understand that you have been justified, if you understand all of those things, then your only response is to praise Jesus. In the same manner, if you know that your slate has been cleaned, if you know that your account has been cleared, your only response is then to work for Jesus. Your only recourse is to do good works for him. And when you've been declared righteous, you work. When you've been rendered innocent, you work. And that's what James is showing us. He's teaching us this, and he's helping us to see this. And I want to clear up today for us. I want to help us to see, because all I've been talking about is you got to do good works. you got to do good works. But what are good works? So I want to help you today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Here's Paul starts out. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. That is not from yourself. It's a gift from God. Verse 9, he says, not from works, meaning you can't work yourself into salvation so that no one can boast. Verse 10 says, for we are what? His workmanship, fellas, (laughs) created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Hear me. You were created to do good works. You were created to do good works. You were created 
to do good works. You don't have to wonder anymore why God created you. You were created to do good works. You, family, were created to do good works. There are two types of good works. There are two types of Christian works that I'm going to help you out with today. The first is internal works. Internal works. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10, um, Peter says, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. What things is he talking about? Well, earlier in that passage in verse 5, he says this. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to do what? Supplement your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So there are some things that are at work within us internally that Peter says, if we do these things, we'll never stumble. He's telling us that if we make every effort to supplement our faith with goodness, to supplement goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. You see him upping the ante each time. (laughs) Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, meaning that you got to like people, uh, <laughs> brotherly affection with love. He keeps up in the end. He says, this is not good enough for you to just like people. You got to actually love people. He's telling us that if we do these things, we will never stumble. So there are internal works that happen. There are internal works that we are all called to do. That looks like things like us praying. That's an internal work. And here's the reality is that we don't believe that when we pray that we're doing anything. That's why we don't pray. (laughs) We don't believe that we're actually doing anything when we pray. But if we really understood the power of prayer, if we really understood the power that we were able to access in prayer, then we would pray more than we actually pray. So we, 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 (laughs) we substitute complaining instead of praying. But we've got to recognize that praying is a good work. That's why there's so many passages that tell us to pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray for one another. Pray, 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 pray. The Bible hardly tells us to read the Bible. (laughs) But it always tells us to pray. It says man ought to always pray and not faint. And what happens is, as James taught us, he taught us this a couple weeks ago, he says some of us get so caught up in the intellectual process of faith (laughs) that we don't realize that there are good works that are attached to faith, meaning you got to learn how to pray. Fasting is a good work. See, we don't believe that fasting is able to do anything. So we don't do it. We don't do it. Somebody said we'd be hungry. (laughs) Do you, want to, you, do you know the reason why the early church was able to navigate through the persecutions that they were navigating through? Because they were fasting. They were fasting multiple times a week. 
multiple times a week they were fasting. And it was that good work, them taking their bodies through, through, through that submission process, through them taking their bodies through that process, that they, that they submitted themselves to God in such a way that God began to open up doors for them in the midst of their persecution. We don't fast because we don't think fasting can do anything. Another internal good work is this, gathering or fellowship. The reasons that we at times forsake the gathering of ourselves together is because we forget the reality that gathering together has power. See, when you gather together with the people of God, in, 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 in the early church there was this concept known as the She Yahweh. It was this idea that as the people of God came together that God was in their presence. And so if we are to ascertain the presence of God, if we are to gain the power of God, we gain the power of God in his presence. And so we neglect to gather together. We treat it like it's kind of like a casual thing, like we kind of come when we feel like coming. We kind of come when it fits within our schedules. We kind of come when it's okay for us to come. But the reality is, is that gathering together is a good work because gathering has power. Loving <laughs> is a good work. See, and loving sometimes means being willing to go there with your brother and your sister. Sometimes loving means that you're willing to tell them something that they might necessarily like, but is good for them. Loving doesn't always just mean hugging and all that kind of stuff like that. That's false. That's harmonious. What we're talking about love is love means that sometimes you got to come to your brother and sister and show forth the grace of God to them in a way that they will begin to understand that the way that I'm living, the way that I'm living my life has to change in order for me to truly have access to what God has for me. Loving is a good work. Sometimes the best work that God has called you to is to love the people in your life that he's given to you to love. The problem with that is that sometimes the hardest people in our lives to love are the people that God has given to us to love. <laughs> sometimes the hardest people to love in our lives are the people who are closest to us. Because they'll say stuff to us and have us asking, who are you talking to? <laughs> it, it will. And we have to learn how to love our brother and our sister, we got to have to learn how to love the people who are closest to us because that's a good work. Y'all understanding that, those, that there are internal good works? You understanding that? Giving is an is a, is a internal work. See, we look at giving and we think that it's external. Like, I'm giving because it does something for the church. Giving does something in you. See, the practice of generosity does something on the inside of you. That's why every year we do this epiphany offering. 
That's why we're this year we're, we're doing this offering, and, and our goal is to raise $22,000 to, to give towards mission and to aid in, our, in, our, in our, our 2022 budget. Like, we're doing that because not just because, because we need the money. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case. We're doing that because we believe that generosity does something in you. When you're generous, it, it does something to you. Here's why. Because when you practice the practice of generosity, you're practicing a practice that is commensurate with the attribute of God. Because God is generous. He's the most generous and that he gave his only son. So giving is an eternal work. Loving is an eternal work. Gathering is an eternal work. Fasting is an eternal work. Praying is an eternal work. And he's telling us, and Peter told us, that we have to supplement our faith with these things. Y'all tracking with me? Then there are external works. External works. So these external works, they look like this. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, and he, gave him, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for what? The work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So he's given to the church people who are gifted in all of these capacities. There are some people with apostolic giftings, meaning people who, who, who start new things and, and, and build new things, um, plant new churches, all those types of things. People um, with prophetic uh, um, uh, things and, and evangelistic giftings. He gives that stuff to the church for the building up of the body of Christ, right? But he gives it to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now hear this, each and every one of us is called to this external work, to be a minister. Being a minister is not some category that's reserved for professional people. It's not reserved for people who do the work of ministry professionally. That's, get that out of your mind. Ministry, the title of minister, is reserved for every single person within the body of Christ. <laughs> You're looking at me crazy. <laughs> but here's how I know. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21. He says, therefore, listen to this. If anyone, not if some people, he says, if anyone is in Christ, listen, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God. Listen here. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Here's the pivotal part. And given us the ministry of reconciliation. Meaning each and every one has been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's what makes you a minister. Verse 19, he says, that is in Christ. Watch this. God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed. Hear this. He has committed the message 
of reconciliation to us. Verse 20, therefore, we, not me, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us. I love when the word just preaches itself. (laughs) He is making his appeal through us. And then we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's what each and every one of us is called to do. Each and every one of us is a minister of the gospel, meaning that each and every one of us has an external work that we are called to do, and that is to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the message (laughs) that we are ambassadors of is this message. Be reconciled to God. If you, don't, if you don't know how to communicate with somebody about their faith in God, or, uh, here's, here's the question you ask them. Have you been reconciled to God? Do you know what that means? Verse 21 tells us this. I love this. Verse 21, he says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I wish I had time to work the rest of this through. But he goes into verse 25 and he says this. In James chapter 2, he says, In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? Last week, we talked about Abraham's faith and how he was justified by works and being willing to sacrifice his son. This week, we see that Rahab the prostitute was justified by faith through her works, justified by her works through receiving and sending the messengers out. Abraham was a patriarch. Rahab was a prostitute. But parenthetically, I want to say this to you. At the foot of the cross, the patriarch and the prostitute are the same. Because of the cross, The patriarch and the prostitute have the same promise. And that's why he's called us, each and every one of us, to be ministers of the gospel. This idea here is that he became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. So it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. You are the righteousness of God when you're in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done. He has called you to be a minister of reconciliation, calling people to be reconciled to God. It doesn't matter who you are. 
this story of Rahab, you might know it, you may not know it, I'll go through it really quickly. Rahab, the, the, the people of Israel had just come through the promise, they had just come through the wilderness and now they're heading into the promised land. And so they send some scouts into the land. They sent them into the land of Jericho. And they sent them in there to spy out the land to see if they were able to take the land. And so when they got there, they ended up staying at this woman's house named Rahab. Now, Rahab was a prostitute. But in that day, uh, those people in that profession were also innkeepers. So they were staying there at her place. And it says in the passage, in, in, in Joshua chapter 2, that's where the story is, Joshua chapter 2. Verse 8, he says, Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, Hear this, this, this Gentile woman. She says to them, I know that Yahweh has given you this land, and that ter- the terror of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in this land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. We saw what he did with Shehan and Og, the two Amorite kings that you completely destroyed across the Jordan. And when we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. Listen to this. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Hebrews 11.31 goes on to tell us in the what's known as, chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. Goes on to tell us that by faith Rahab, the prostitute welcomed spies in peace and did not perish with those who disobeyed. So what she ends up doing for these spies is she, the, the, the men of the city started to hear that there were men from Israel who were there and they start looking for them. And so what she does for them is that she lets them down out her window, which was attached to the wall, and sends them out into a part of the, uh, of the land where they wouldn't be spotted. And she sends them away and tells them, go over here and wait three days so that you won't be caught. And by faith, she delivered the men of Israel out of the hands of the men of Jericho, therefore preserving the people of Israel from being able to enter into the land. And doing that, she put her own life at risk. The men of that town would have killed her if they found out that she was harboring, that she was, that she was keeping them in her home. They would have killed her. Not only that, they would have killed her whole family. So she asked these Israelite men, she says, promise me that when you come and take this land, that my family will be saved. So they take a, they take a scarlet cord and they wrap it around the window. And it says, if this cord is here on this window, when we come back, bring every one of your family members into this house. And when we see that scarlet thread, we won't enter into this house and kill anybody. I'm getting to the good part. (laughs) Rahab would do what they told her. And in chapter 6, when they came back into the land, her family was preserved because of that scarlet thread that hang from her window. 
But then I want you to picture this. Fast forward to the New Testament, to the time of Jesus. And we see this genealogy in the book of Matthew giving us the the ancestral line of Jesus. And in verse 5, we see this. We see that Salmon fathered Boaz. Y'all know who Boaz is. Y'all be looking for Boaz. It says that Salmon fathered Boaz. Is it up there? By who? By Rahab. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. And then Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. And then Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. And then if you read the rest of the genealogy, that's why you can't just skip over genealogies when you see them in the Bible because they're important. When you read the rest of that genealogy, at the bottom of that joint is Jesus. Now listen to me. That scarlet thread that Rahab wrapped around her window, that scarlet thread would carry all the way down, all the way down to Jesus hanging on the cross for us. That scarlet thread is the same thread that runs all throughout the Bible. It's that scarlet thread that runs all throughout the scripture that leads us to the cross of Jesus. And so now Rahab, this prostitute, this immoral woman, this Gentile woman, because of her faith being expressed through her works, has found herself within the line and lineage of the Savior of the world. Family, your good works mean something. Your good works amount to something. They count. They matter. And most importantly, James has been teaching us all throughout this chapter. He's been teaching us that a person is justified by their works. And not by their faith alone. Verse 26, he says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Rahab took what she had intellectually believed about about, about God. And she took what she intellectually believed and what she emotionally felt. And she applied that into some works. She didn't just go, oh, I hear that your God is powerful and he's giving you all this stuff. And it's caused me to tremble. It's caused me to have some emotional response. We talked about that before. That's called what? Demonic faith. She said, She didn't just stop there. She says, I'm going to put that faith into action because I know that your God is God over all. I know that your God is God in heaven 
and God on earth. I know that your God is Lord over everything. And family, when you know that the Lord is Lord over everything, it propels you into action. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. James is asking us, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Because what James understood was that the faith of Rahab will lead to the birth of the Savior. Do you see what I see? Here's three things the devoted see, and I'm out your way. The devoted see that Christ is the basis for our justification. It's him. He's the reason we're justified. They see that faith is the means of our justification. That's how we get to be justified. And then lastly, they see that works are the evidence of our justification. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? The devoted see. The devoted see clearly. And they know that you can't just have intellectual faith. You can't just have emotional faith. You got to have faith that works. A dynamic faith. Faith that moves things. <laughs> faith that stirs things up. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure about this faith that I've been talking about. I want to encourage you today that that faith that I'm talking about is only obtained through placing your trust in Jesus Christ the Savior. That's how it's obtained. And when you receive that faith, He makes you a new creation like we talked about in 2 Corinthians. And He gives you a new life. And not only that, John 10, 10 tells us that He... Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. And so maybe you're in here today and you're feeling like your life is not, it doesn't matter much. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your life hasn't amounted to much. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your life hasn't added up to what you think it should have added up to by this point in your life. But I'm here to let you know today that if you place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, he will give you a life that is full and abundant. That doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to go perfectly. But that means that life with Christ is better than life without him. All you got to do is trust him today. All you have to do is trust him. Is there one today who 
wants to place their faith in Jesus today. If that's you, you can slip your hand up. We'll pray for you. If that's you, we'll ask God's favor on you, bless his blessing on you, and invite you in to a life-giving relationship with him where you walk with him and his people side by side. None of us are perfect (laughs) by any means. None of us are perfect. We're all trying to figure it out. Some of us are further along than others. Father, I pray today by your spirit. God, lead us and guide us into truth today. God, we thank you for that scarlet thread. (laughs) We thank you, God, for that scarlet thread. Oh, precious is the blood. So, God, we thank you for the blood, the blood that secures our righteousness. It's because of the blood that we have been made clean because of the blood that we have been declared righteous, that we've been justified. And so God, we thank you for that. We bless your name. And so God, we ask today, God, by your grace, by your mercy, God, that you would help us to be devoted and help us to see what you see. Help us to see ourselves through the eyes that you see us through. Because when you look at us, When we're in Christ, you don't see us. You see your perfect, sinless son who died on a cross in our place. So, God, we thank you for that. We bless your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray with thanksgiving in our hearts, knowing that you'll do everything you said you would. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us this morning. We are so excited and so thankful. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, you've just made the best decision of your life, and we are so excited, and all of heaven is rejoicing with us. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone from Epiphany Church will follow up with you as soon as possible. If you have chosen to become a member of Epiphany Church Wilmington today, welcome, and we cannot wait to meet you. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone will contact you as soon as possible. Also, if you could give... And there are several ways to give. You could click the link at the bottom of the screen. You could text. You could download the app. But we need you to give. Uh, Without your giving, we would not be able to do any of the things that we do as a church in the community. Once again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Like, comment, subscribe, and share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington, where we believe in being on the block, in the middle of it, for Jesus Christ. God bless you all, and you have all have a wonderful week.